Rhonda, we will not be in Petaluma. Where's Rhonda Douglas? We're not going to be in Petaluma this week. I tell you, when Rhonda comes there, I think Mike Dalton had the best line. Rhonda went by one time. He says, Rhonda has just landed. <laughs> she went by. What was that? That was Rhonda. She just, skirt, skirt. Put on the reverse. Slow down. Rhonda. <laughs> I tell you, I, 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 Rhonda, she knows that's my friend. But I tell you that, that day on the freeway, a person shot behind me up the road. I said, that looked like Rhonda. I sped up. That was Rhonda. She ain't learned her lesson yet. <laughs> Highway patrol or not. She talked herself out of a ticket not long ago. Was it, was it Nevada Police, Rhonda? <laughs> he said, did I just give you a ticket? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rhonda, I think we're going to be in competition pretty soon. I think you got me beat. My little girl's getting married. I'm, I'm, I'm planning to walk her down the aisle. <laughs> Once we got over the shock of her getting her own place a year ago, we got used to it. And no, you can't come back home. Lord, please stay out there. I told y'all that. <laughs> please, Lord, bless her to keep that job in Jesus' name. <laughs> told y'all that. Praying hard. <laughs> her room became my office. I don't want to give that up. No. Sleep down on the couch. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I want to pray for travel and mercy for Mother Carol. She leaves in the Word. Lord, we thank you right now for the wonderful grace of our Savior. We thank you for meeting the needs of this body. Over the years that we are still upon this hill, only by the grace and the mercy of our God. We pray that you will continue to keep us and strengthen us and help us to be the body of Christ that allows the light to shine to a dark world who doesn't know you, that they may be drawn because of the light, may be drawn because of our love one for another and one to another. We bless your name today. Now we pray for travel and mercy as Sister Florence goes to Sacramento. Not only get her there safely, but back home safely. We pray for Mother Carol as she prepares to leave that you will get her back home safely. We pray that you'll continue to bless Randy in a special way. Bless brother in a special way that he'll continue to lose what he needs regarding weight and continue to have improved health. We pray that, God, you will bless their entire family. Save those that are not saved. Bring them to yourself. And as we hear the word of God, give us ears to hear what the Spirit is doing this day and this hour. We lift up, Lord, people that are still being saved. Even as of this day, we're praying that you continue to do the work and bring people into the kingdom of God. We give your name all the glory and all of the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. In your Bibles, turn to the book of Matthew chapter 14. Uh, Last week we read Matthew 14, verses 22 through 33, and today... I want to pick up beginning at verse 24 through 33, and then I'm going to read Mark chapter 6, verse 48, part A of the verse. Matthew chapter 14, verse 
24. Be reading from the ESV. Matthew 14, 24. Matthew 14, 24. And this is what it says. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you... Command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Actually, I'm going to continue on with verse 34. Continue on. You won't have it there probably. 34 says, through 36, And when they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent around to all that region and brought to him all who were sick and implored him that they might only touch the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. Mark chapter 6, verse 48. Mark six forty-eight. I'm reading part A. Of the verse. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. Picking up with our topic from last week in the will of God and in the midst of the sea, part two. In the will of God and in the midst of the sea, part two. I'm going to bring you briefly up to date and jump to point three. Let me give you, first of all, the points from last week. I'm not going to dwell on them at all. But the point that we made, point one, was danger on the horizon. We spoke about danger on the horizon. That was point one. Point two was the need for prayer. And we broke that down into four different parts. We looked at the place of Jesus' praying. We then took looked at the person involved in the praying. We considered the time of his praying. And we dealt with the solitude in his praying. Today we want to take a look at our third point. Sent into trouble and keeping an eye on the situation. Sent into trouble, and keeping an eye on the situation. The Sea of Galilee 
where you will often find Jesus around and ministering at. It's also known as the Lake of Gennesaret and the Sea of Tiberias. They are all the Sea of Galilee. The Lake of Gennesaret, you will see a reference to that in the book of Luke, chapter 5, verse 1. And the Sea of Tiberias, you will see that reference in St. John, chapter 6, verse 1. In the New Testament, the Sea of Galilee is known also as the Lake of Gennesaret and the Sea of Tiberias. Gennesaret was also a village. It was on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. Where we left off last time, we saw that Jesus had dismissed the crowd after sending the disciples away because they were going to take him by force and make him king. But the Bible says that he sent his disciples away and he dismissed the crowd. And then he went up into the mountains and the Bible says that he prayed. Now in the book of Mark, in the book that we read the verse, chapter 6, verse 48, it says that Jesus was watching them. Now the Bible says that they were about a stadium or a stadia away. Stadia is about rounded off about 607 feet. To be precise, it would be 606.75 feet. So we just rounded off to 700, 607 feet. The Bible says that they were about three or four miles into the sea. Now I want you to understand this. When the disciples were sent away, we looked at it was for their also their protection. Number one, they may have thought to protect Jesus as they saw this crowd wanting to take him by force. They might have wanted to defend him, but we noted more so the concern more so may have been around the fact that they would have been persuaded to possibly join the group in trying to make Jesus their political king. Jesus did not come to be the political king. He came to be the Savior. He came to die on the cross. We also noted that John the Baptist, his relative, had died. And we took a look at possibly that Jesus also spent some time grieving over the loss of his relative. But the Bible says that while Jesus was there, he sent, he was watching them. Now, the question arises, did Jesus know that there would be a storm that would arise. Yes, he did. You see, there are times when Jesus would send you into trouble because you're about to get into trouble, and the trouble that you're about to get into, you are not going to be able to handle. But when Jesus sends you away and he sends you into a situation to where you encounter difficulty, you are in good hands because his eyes are on you. And so even though he sent the disciples away, he sent them into the place, told them to go to the other side. But the Bible says that he was watching them and seeing that they were making slow headway because the wind was against them. John records that they had been about three to four miles out 
in the sea. And Jesus in Mark, the Bible says, is watching them. You see, obedience to God may mean that he will send you right into the storm. But if he sends you there, you can be assured he's watching. There are some storms, some storms that we bring on ourselves because of disobedience to God's word. And there are times when our interpretation of a situation is completely off. We sometimes encounter a storm in life. And we say, why is God allowing this into my life? Doesn't he know how much is on me right now? And we somehow think that God has made a mistake while it was him that sent us directly into the storm. You see, there are sometimes some divine storms that you've got to encounter. You don't grow by not going through anything. A tree does not become strong because it blew over with the slightest wind that came by. Those pine trees were planted out there and they had to endure some harsh weather. But they stood the test and while the wind blew, their roots would go down a little bit deeper. Your roots needs to go, your roots need to go down into the ground. The reason that some of us blow over so quickly is because we are on soil that's that, that deep. And it can't go any further. Everything that comes up, we get all upset and bothered and take off, go running away. We need to learn how to stay put and allow situations that God brings our way to take us deeper in Him. Oftentimes after a great work that God does, He'll send you into the, into the tempest. Which is actually what happened to the disciples. They had just encountered incredible works of Jesus Christ. They had just witnessed the feeding of 5,000 men besides women and children. They were, must have been beside themselves. Yeah, we were Jesus. We are his disciples. This is my partner, Jesus. Jesus, you got any more fish and loaves of bread? We need, a, we need about a thousand more for that group over there. Yeah, I'm with him. You know, we know we do that, right? It's a situation to where we can become beside ourselves or get beside ourselves because of who we know or, or what God has done. But yet we have to realize that the moment you think you become comfortable, the moment you become too comfortable, the Lord will send you into the tempest. And that's what he does with the disciples. You see, your growth comes because of what you go through. Your growth doesn't come because you're up here. It comes when you're down in the valley. And you learn how to navigate and stay true to God's word in spite of everything that happens. And so the disciples, after encountering this wonderful blessing... The Lord seeing danger on the horizon, he sends them into the water. Now, don't forget, please, don't forget. They had been sent to this side to get rest because they had just come back from being sent out ministering. The Lord had empowered them to minister in his name, and they had come back and given the word to Jesus. And this is what we've been able to do. He says, come away for a while so that you can rest. But by the time they got to the other side... The people came and they didn't have time to rest. 
after they got through feeding the people, the Lord sends them to the other side. They still haven't rested. And now they're out rowing on the Sea of Galilee. You're not going, they ain't got no power boats. They didn't go turn the engine on and say, let's get to the other side. They are rowing to the other side. And that requires work. The end of the day, they are heading out there. And the Bible says, Jesus is looking at them at the fourth hour of the fourth watch of the night. They didn't get no sleep because they're in the midst of a storm. You don't sleep well oftentimes when a storm arises. When a storm comes up in your life, you are thinking of everything possible to get out of it. When the winds are blowing, hurricane forces, you're doing your best to take cover. These disciples are out on the water because Jesus sent them there. They are in his will. Do you not know that you can be in the storm, I said, and be in the will of God? Sometimes we complain so much in the storm. When Jesus has sent us into the storm, and when we try to get out, we don't learn anything because we did not stay long enough to get anything from it. And so at the fourth night of the watch, the Romans watch, it was between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. Get this, they left the day before. They are out on the water at 3 o'clock, between 3 and 6, still trying to get to the other side. But Jesus is watching. It would not be a long trip from the time of when they left to get there. It wasn't a long trip. But the Bible says that they were blown off course. Do you not know when some storms come, it will blow you off course if you're not careful? Even though they are following what Jesus says, the Bible says they were blown off course into the midst of the sea. And here they are trying to get back to the place where they need to, but the Bible says the winds were against them. Now get this. They're going and trying to make progress, and at the same time, they're going right into the wind and not going anywhere. Have you ever been there in life? trying to go forward, and as long and as hard as you try, you don't seem to be making any progress. You look, I'm still in the same place. You, 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 you go somewhere, you say, I am still in the same place. I thought I was making progress. A trial comes upon you, and you, and you do something. Man, I thought I was over that. I thought I wouldn't respond that way again. And we find ourselves responding in a way that we thought that we had overcome. You see, there are different trials that will bring about the same type of reaction in our lives. You're not going to encounter the same type of storm every time. But let me tell you this. You will encounter various storms that will produce the same type of reaction if you're not growing in the Lord. You, you say to yourself, I, I, I thought that I, I, I had got over that, that it wouldn't bring up this type of feeling in me. But when I went through this, it brought up the same emotions, and I got angry. So angry, I want to hurt somebody. 
Somebody come along, you snap at them. Oh, I'm sorry, that wasn't meant for you. I was thinking about something else, and, and you just happened to come along. That wasn't for you. That was for somebody else. Boy, it's good that person to come along, because if it was for them, they probably really would have gotten it. But the disciples, after experiencing this blessing, now they're in a situation to where they have forgotten everything that's happened on the other side, because now all their attention is on this storm. Tired as they were, the Bible says that Jesus was watching, blown off course in the middle of the sea. In the midst of the storm, how are we going to make it? You see, one of the things that God will do, he'll let you royally mess up, royally fail. He will allow you to get to, your, to the very end and then go beyond that. And then he'll say, now watch and see what I will do. That's what God does. For those that belong to him, I, I know that Moses is an example of that. When Pharaoh continued to, imp- to increase the pressure on the children of Israel, And when they said, Moses, you said that we were going to be delivered. And Moses took it back to the Lord. Pharaoh keeps increasing the pressure. You said that you were going to deliver them. You sent me. Did I get it wrong? And the Lord says, now, Moses, you're going to see what I'm going to do. You see, God will wait until nothing can be done but him. He's the only one that can take care of the situation. He'll wait until only he can step in, and you know it's only him that can do it. When you get beside yourself and say, Lord, I still got this, he said, it ain't got bad enough yet. Lord, Lord, I, I still can stand and do this myself. It still hasn't gotten bad enough. When you get to the point, you says, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. I give up. He said, now you'll see what I'm going to do. The situation was most bleak with the disciples in this water. We need to be careful that we properly assess what Jesus tells us to do and not jump to the conclusion that we are off course. Even though the wind blew them off course, they were still in the will of God because they were following what he said. We get off course and we get blown off when we say, God told me to do this, but because I don't see the end, I'm going to take this direction. Not only are you off course, you're going to run into gale force winds that you cannot encounter nor handle. Jesus says, go to the other side. And he's watching. Now, while he's watching and had been praying, the Bible says that Jesus went to them on the water. Now, There are some passages in the book of Psalms that talks about the water. Horse riding upon it, going through the water. The person looking at going through the waters. Then we think about the children of Israel going through the waters. You see, when Jesus is walking on the water, it's an indication that he has mastering control over all of his creation. You see, although the wind was blowing hard and blowing the the boat off, off course, so that they couldn't make it to their destination, the Bible says that Jesus walked directly to where they were. You see, it wasn't the matter of the full wind taking him off course. He just decided, I need to get there. I'm going to just walk across the water. They're in trouble. Now get this. 
if Jesus did not intervene, one of the things that's most interesting is that they may have drowned. They may have been lost. They may not have made it. And so the timing of when Jesus decided to leave from the mountain to start a cross was just at the right time. You see, Jesus knows how to intervene at just the right time. So that's why you don't need to panic and jump off ship. Don't, don't panic and jump off board. Don't go overboard. Stay right there because Jesus is watching. He sent you there and he knows how to get you out. And so the Bible says that he came to them. Now, if they are three to four miles out, and if you're walking at a casual pace, and let's say that, let's give you, you're walking at a, uh, uh, you'd say, 16 minute, take you to walk a mile. So we think about an hour it's going to take Jesus to get there. He would have had to know it's going to take me this amount of time if they're three to four miles out. And so he walks, and the Bible says, and one of the passages, that he was about to go past them. And here they are seeing this figure. They screamed. You would have screamed too. Out in the middle of the water. And something, excuse me, come floating by, come walking by you. Ah! Yes, I would have screamed. They can't go nowhere. And the Bible said that Jesus immediately said to them, and he said, it's I. But you know what? Uh-uh. Ego e me. He says, I am. When the Bible says, it is I, in the Greek, he actually said, ego e me. I am. You look back at that word, I am. Come back to the matter of God back in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. When the Lord told Moses, Moses, go Deliver my people. And, and Moses says, Lord, who shall I send ascending me? He says, just tell him, I am. That's the same name that Jesus used when the disciples screamed. He says, I am. That's the name that's designated exclusively to God himself. Peter himself. Now, we need to stop beating up Peter initially. We need to give Peter some credit. P- Peter said, Jesus, if it's you, Lord... Bid me to come. Let me come to you. And all Jesus said was, come. Don't don't be Peter. Peter got permission from Jesus. Don't say, oh, what was Peter doing? Look at him. He didn't try to jump out the boat, going to walk on the water. Peter, you should have stayed yourself in the boat. (laughs) Jesus told him, come. If it's really you, Lord... Bid me to come to you. Jesus out there. He said, he, he, come on. Peter got off the boat. Somebody said, down Thomas. Peter, there's the Lord's wave coming. Look out. <laughs> Y'all know about down Thomas, right? Thomas probably piped up. I don't think Peter going to make it. <laughs> hey, Peter, you see your surroundings. Look at you. You want water. And as Peter is walking, the Bible says that he began to sink. Look at what Peter does. Peter didn't say, oh, mighty and gracious Father, the Lord of all creation who blesses from all eternity to all eternity. 
the great I am, the Savior who loves me beyond all measure. The creator, oh, he didn't say that. All Peter said, Lord, save me. And the Lord reached down and pulled Peter out of the water. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? And the Bible says that when they got back to the boat, Peter now soaking wet. After having walked on the water at Jesus' command, comes back to the boat and climbs in. And the Bible says, if you look carefully, one passage says, and they were immediately at the destination where they were heading. When Jesus got in the boat with Peter, while they were in the midst of the sea, when they stepped in, they were at their destination. Another miracle right then that the moment they stepped in the boat, they're at their location. And the Bible says that the disciples worshipped him. Truly, you are the Son of God. The world does not know the God that we serve. The God that we have, we oftentimes don't know the God that we serve and the God that we have. Jesus watched him, went on water, went directly to where they were. Peter was able to walk on water not because he had the ability, because, but it was because the Lord said, Peter, come. And that's what the Lord says to us. Just right where you are, come. He didn't tell Peter to say, okay, wait a minute, Peter. Do a, do a little bit of praying and get things ready. He said, come on, Peter. Right where you are. And so now the challenge is on Peter. Is Peter going to obey the Lord and do it? He put his mouth out there. He said it. Oh, yeah, I'm going I'm to do it. And the Lord said, come. And then they're at their destination. When you understand that your efforts can never save you, you will come to realize that you need Jesus throughout the entire journey. It ain't Jesus now because I'm feeling better. It's Jesus that you need throughout your entire journey. Period. Long as you're in his will, he never loses sight of you. No matter how much the waters may be raging. No, Lord, no matter how the tempest may be. No matter if you're blown off course, if you're in his will, you're right where you need to be. Before I bring this to a close, look at this next part. And when they had crossed over, they came to the land to land at Gennesaret. You have to look to the book of John to find out that when they came to their location, they came there immediately from the water. In other words, from where they were, the Bible said that they, la- they were at the location. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent around to all that region and brought him and brought to him all who were sick and implored, listen to this, and implored that they may only touch the fringe of his garment, and as many as touched it were made well. It is believed that Gennesaret was only a couple of miles from Capernaum. Jesus made his home base of operation at the place of Capernaum. This place, it is believed, Gennesaret, 
the Lord may not have even gone to because the Bible says they, they recognized him. The interesting thing that you note, the people exhibit a faith in Jesus Christ in that they ask to touch him rather than saying, Lord, would you touch me? And they said, can we just touch the hem, the tassel? You see, the men and the leaders, they would wear tassels at the bottom of the robes. And it is believed that even the woman with the issue of blood simply touched the tassel at the foot of Jesus. And the Bible says, it was not, listen, it's not a one-day journey that Jesus went, to, went through this area. But he went to cities and villages, and people, as they heard where he was, if you look at the other readings, they brought people to him. And wherever they heard Jesus was, the sick was brought to him, and they asked, can we touch you? Just the him. And the Bible says, as many as touched him, they were, it doesn't say this, but you have to imagine, you know, perfectly healed. People, that's deep. These people hadn't really had, it believed many hadn't seen Jesus. They had only heard of him. You see, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It's hearing the word that saves. It's hearing about Jesus that hit, that prompted their faith. Look at these people. Where Peter had doubted on the sea. Here they are simply saying, can we simply touch you? Because we believe that when we do, we'll be healed. And the Lord prevented none of them. Now, as I bring this part to a conclusion, we still don't see the disciples getting rest immediately. It's going to come. But now with daylight and the light has come and people are recognizing it's Jesus. And they ran throughout that place bringing people. Now, I'm going to let you in on something as I close here. Right after the magnificent healing of Jesus, you're going to discover that many people turned and no longer followed him because of a teaching that he gave. Even though they saw the power of God, it was the word that he spoke that was too hard for them to take and many of them left never to follow him again. Possibly some may have come back the Bible says many turned away. You see, the Bible tells people really what they don't want to hear. The Bible tells people really what they does not agree with their palate, their taste. But the Lord ain't concerned about that. He's concerned about your soul. Your feelings don't determine whether God's word is true or not. I don't feel like this is what I really need? Well, if God's word said it, it's exactly what you need. But it was hard for the people. And yet, even though Jesus knew what was going to happen, he still healed the people that came to him. Because remember, on the other side, the Bible had just said that they were like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on them because they were just like sheep. Without a shepherd. What are you going through right now in your life? You need to ask the question. Is it because the Lord has sent me in this direction? Or am I traveling this course by myself? A am I on the right course because the Lord has sent me? 
or I'm there because I've done it myself. You might feel like you're off course, but if the Lord told you to go, you're on course. Don't base it on how you feel. Base it on what God's word says. Because your feeling may be up here today and down there tomorrow. Your feeling will tell you a lot of stuff that ain't true. It's based on the word of God. God's word doesn't change. God says I'm faithful. He's faithful. God ain't, it's not, God ain't a different God from the time of Moses to today. He don't change. Some idols might change. Add a little color to some of them idols. God don't change. He can save yesterday, today, and forever. Are you on course? Even if you feel you're off course. If the Lord told you to go, you're on course. Bow your heads, please. Please stand. Please stand. One day we're going to all stand before God in the judgment. And we're going to have to face the Lord. What did you do with my word? You see, we are spiritual beings. This body only houses our spirit. This ain't it. This body is going to go to the dust, and your spirit that's inside of you is not going to remain in this body. It's going to either go be with the Lord or not. There's another you inside of here. This is just a piece of clay. It houses the real you, and that's what the Lord is going to come back for. Oh, one day, this body that we have, God's going to raise it up. It's going to be a glorified body. But the question is, what did you do with my word? If you don't know the Lord, you need to say, God, forgive me of my sins. I accept you as Savior. That's it. I want to live for you. Not about how you feel, about what his word says. person that offers that in faith and says, God, I believe what your word says and does it. They're saved. They're saved. Then comes the growing process what God does in your life. Today, Lord, if there are people in this place that have not committed themselves to you, we pray that they'll evaluate the course that they're on. Are they in the midst of the sea because you've told them? Are they in the midst of a storm because of their own doing? God, we pray today that we'll immediately turn and say, Lord, save me. Do a work in my life. That allows you to have full control. That you come into the boat with us. Because Lord, for us to make the destination and to make the, to the place where we need to go, you need to be in the boat with us. We need to be in the boat with you. And so today we pray that you will help us to allow you to do the work that you are already doing. Save in this place today. May there be confession unto salvation, saying, Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done to disappoint you. I've sinned against you. I've not obeyed your word. Now I need to be saved. So I pray that you forgive me of sin, of my sins, and I accept you, Lord, as my Savior. So today we pray that there will be people that will say yes to the will of God. We honor you today and we thank you for your righteousness. We thank you for the power of the almighty God that you are still in the saving business. There's no case that's too hard for you. Nothing that you cannot solve. We pray that you will help us today to bring all of our problems and difficulties, everything to Jesus. 
And then to surrender ourselves at the altar of the Almighty. We pray today that you will do a work in our lives and that the word that is spoken and preached and taught will do a cleansing, will do the work in us that allows us to be open and receptive to the Almighty. We give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you this day.